Well, good afternoon and welcome to Your DIY Health here on the Eurofolk Radio Network. Had another one of my snafus today with the bumper music. Uh, I don't know what's going on here. I'm going to have to double check every day next month with the fine tooth comb. Anyway, um, we're going to be talking history today. And our guest, Mike Gaddy, and I would just say uh, check out the website, yourdiyhealth.com, Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do-it-yourself, health, H-E-A-L-T-H, and our sister site, yourdiywealth.com, and uh, check out the Hyperverse tab when you're there. Absolutely phenomenal program, will change your life. So anyway, that being said, uh, keep in mind the topics discussed and opinions mentioned on this show are those of the host and or guests and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the Eurofolk Radio Network, its owners or sponsors, or any of the alphabet agencies out there listening in. Nothing we say on this show should be construed as an attempt to diagnose, treat, or cure any kind of a health or wealth issue. It's all here for your education and entertainment purposes only, so that as a responsible adult, you can use this show as a jumping off point to do your own research and due diligence to make sure that what you're doing and what you're trying is right for you. That having been said, welcome, Mike. How's it going this afternoon? Yeah, going very well, Jim. Uh, thanks for having me today. It's uh, always a pleasure. I look forward to Thursdays. So do I, and uh, I just wish I would get my bumper music <laughs> act together. <laughs> Two days in a row, I forgot to have the bumper music pl- plugged into the system, but this just gives us a longer time to talk today, but now I've got to edit it because tomorrow's bumper music will be playing i'll have have to figure out what i'm going to do there but anyway i'll jump off that bridge when i get to it so today we're going to be talking about were there any anti-federalists before the constitution of 1787 i think uh, that should be an interesting uh chat i'm my guess would be yes but anyway let's let's dig into it and see where we end up go ahead well jim you would be so correct Uh, and um i started Years ago, of course, it seems like everybody's uh, uh, studies of the founding era starts in 1776. But, uh, you know, we know that uh, Patrick Henry ignited the fever across the 13 colonies that led to the uh, war against Great Britain with his Stamp Act speech in 1765. But, and that's not a period of of history that we often study. And I know that I wasn't taught little of anything about that. Uh, I know that Patrick Henry and the Stamp Act was mentioned, uh, but it was in passing. It was never a subject of discussion. But uh, one of the things that intrigued me when I got to looking into all this history, Jim, and you know, you and I uh, on this program, have talked about the Articles of Confederation and uh, how that we felt, or at least I felt, that the Articles of Confederation were superior to the Constitution. But when you study the Articles of Confederation and the fact that it took six years, almost five years, I'm sorry, to get them ratified, you know, five years? So my question was, is the uh, being the uh, inquisitive historian was if it was all that good, why didn't people just go, yay, let's have this right now. Get it. Zoom. But there was a lot of opposition. To the Articles of Confederation, people were not happy with restrictions as light as the Articles of Confederation from a government. And so we go, 
wow, okay, uh, why would they object? Well, let's stop and think about something. The uh, Maryland was the last state to ratify the Articles of Confederation, 1781. Shortly thereafter, the U.S. Congress, authorized under the Articles of Confederation, gave unlimited dictatorial powers to Robert Morris. And he became, in essence, a dictator. And according to Sentinel, Samuel Bryan, he embezzled the country. He created the Bank of North America and embezzled the American people out of about $17 million. That's a chunk of change back then. Oh, my goodness. He would have made Bill Gates look like a, a streetwalker. Anybody makes his own case look like a streetwalker. Well, I, I was talking financially. <laughs> yeah. I was talking financially. But, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, $17 million in 1781? My gosh. What kind of real money? real money back then. Oh, wow. And, you know, and the thing of it was, it was all embezzled. Mm -hmm. And he had been able to, under the Articles of Confederation, he had been... Given the dictatorial powers, he got to select who was in the cabinet, even if it wasn't under his tutelage. He got to select cab cabinet members. He got to select the what would later be the Secretary of War. He got to select people. And this was all authorized under the Articles of Confederation. Well, if a person can just say, well, you know, uh, hey, uh, you told me that I am the financier, and so I create a bank that uh, delves in fractional reserve banking. Then we have to ask ourselves, yes, the Articles of Confederation had term limits. They had, uh, you had much more state rights. You didn't have a federal judiciary. You didn't have the federal executive. But still, you gave the power to Congress to create a dictatorship. So I don't believe that at any point in time that historians have actually delved into this relationship. And the fact that, uh, Jim, I'm doing a, a program on, uh, on uh, uh, Facebook Messenger, uh, and it's called Teach Me. And at the present time, we are taking each one of the states and looking at the ratification of the U.S. Constitution, 1788. Mm -hmm. So we are going state by state and looking at the proceedings. Now, I no one ever did that for me when I was in school. <laughs> no. And that uh, to me, that, that was so intuitive because we just finished with South Carolina. In South Carolina, the overwhelming majority of people in the state of South Carolina were opposed to the Constitution. But it was ratified. Gee, how'd that happen? Well, you know, we could ask that question today. I would believe that overwhelmingly the majority of the people in this country, and it has been proved so by survey, the overwhelming majority of people, at, probably not now, but a few years ago, were overwhelmingly against abortion. Mm -hmm. But we still had it. Yep. And I'm sure that the, uh, you know, at one time there were 37 states lined up to say not no, but hell no to uh, Obamacare. 
Mm-hmm. And then the Supreme Court steps in, and with the wonderful John Roberts, we suddenly get Obamacare, which the people didn't want. You know, at least 37 states, and if I'm not mistaken, that's a uh, majority. Even if we count 57 like Obama did. Mm-mm-mm. So what were the people back then, what were their thoughts? And, you know, we look at it, you have to you have to look at some of the facts that come from back then. And Jim, if we're going to find those, you're not going to find them in any book, history book, published after 1950. Oh, no. So you have to go back and look at the books that were published before then. To where you actually, you know, where you actually got some truth. And you had constantly the people. Here's just an an excerpt, Jim. And it says, when the Articles of Confederation were being considered, fears of excessive concentration of authority were expressed. The town of Westfield, Massachusetts, reminded its representatives of, and I quote, the weakness of human nature and a growing thirst for power, unquote. And then they continued, and I quote, it is freedom, gentlemen, it is freedom, and not a choice of the form of servitude for which we contend. And we rely on your fidelity, that you will not consent to the present plan of union until after the most calm and dispassionate examination you are fully convinced it well calculated to secure so great and desirable an object. Unquote. The powers granted to Congress, now this is under the Articles of Confederation, the people of this town feared were too great. And, quote, the sovereignty and independence of particular states nearly annihilated. We entertain no jealousy of the present Congress, but who knows but in some future corrupt times there may be a Congress which will form a design upon the liberties of the people and will it be difficult to execute such a design when they have the absolute command of the Navy, the Army and the purse strings. Unquote. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, Even at that, it was in accordance with such principles that under the Articles of Confederation, most powers were reserved to the states, and that Article 2 guaranteed the sovereignty and independence of the states, which was removed with the Constitution of 1787. It was also in accord with this political tradition that there was no independent executive. Executive functions were performed by Congress through a committee or later by departments of response, uh, pardon me, by re- departments responsible to Congress. Well, that was true. <clears throat> but Robert Morris's department was responsible to Congress. But Robert Morris had dictatorial powers. And he said, the only way I will do this is if I'm the king. In essence, he didn't <laughs> use those words. Right. And Congress agreed. And the reason they agreed, Jim, was because they were in a war. Kind of like Bush. Dictatorship would be okay as long as I'm the dictator. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Exactly. 
So um, there was no independent executive under the articles. Executive functions were performed by Congress through committees, as I said, or later by departments responsible to Congress. But similarly, there was no judiciary except Congress itself. And that body appointed all officers. It might be supposed that the absence of a check and balance system, the lack of any division of power might result in an excessive centralization of authority. But there were, under the Articles of Confederation, two important limitations which prevented the delegates to Congress from violating their trust. First, they could not act independently. It is true that they were chosen by the legislatures rather than by the people, a fact which drew quite a bit of criticism. But the elections were annual, the delegates could serve only three years out of six, and plus they could be recalled at any time. Members of Congress recognized their responsibility and continually reported to the state governments, giving information and seeking advice. Can you imagine that happening today? <laughs> yeah. A second check in the Articles of Confederation was that the critical powers were withheld. For matters of the highest importance, the agreement of the states was required. And this was especially true of any financial affairs, since Congress possessed no revenue of its own, but could only request money from the independent states. The Articles grew out of a political tradition widely accepted in revolutionary America, and it was from the same tradition that anti-federalism grew in the 13 states. So as we look at this, Jim, and get into detail and start studying, the vast majority of people, and I'm talking probably better than 80% of the people inside those 13 colonies were what we would call today anti-federalists. They were freedom-loving, liberty-loving people who saw government as an opponent and not as a mama and daddy. So how have we trans, how have we, what kind of transition have we suffered, Jim, through this? Well, you just said it. You know, people now, they're totally neutered through the public fool system and, uh, and, fluoridated water they're totally reliant on the mama and daddy of government you know they think that uh, you know the people in the founding era knew their proper position they were in charge and government was their servant and now it's the other way around government's in charge and the people are their servants you know according to uh, most people they the way they act anyway you know you can't do anything without getting a license a permit or some sort of permission to do it. And uh, everything you have is subject to being taken away by somebody in government. So that's where we're at now. And uh, it only took us 230-some years to get here. Jeez. <laughs> well, Slow. Jim, one of the things that just, uh, pardon the old uh, adage, but fries my ass, is that when people start mm -hmm. saying, well, it's all about law and order. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but the people themselves do not make the laws nor do they order that those laws be adhered to mm -hmm. and the people that make the laws wouldn't know a real law if they found it floating in their cheerios 
Exactly. Exactly. Like law so, of nature and nature's God. <laughs> and here, here was the other thing too, Jim, that when you talk to people and, you know, I had a conversation with a, with a uh, institutionalized idiot on Facebook this morning and people do not understand. They get hung up on this phrase. We, the people, Yeah. we, the people didn't have a damn thing to do with the constitution. Less than 6% of the people were allowed to vote in 1789 for the first Congress. Mm -hmm. Less than 6%. That meant that 94% of the people were not represented by the Constitution of 1787. Definitely weren't part of we. <laughs> no. And uh, I think it was, I was trying to think who in one of the ratification conventions said, we the people, no, it's not we the people, it's we the few. <laughs> yeah, they could see it as it was back then. <laughs> yes. And, I mean, they were staring the monster right in the face and they were mm -hmm. seeing this. Yeah. Well, Jim, I'm, I have embarked, and oh wow, am I making some people angry. I have embarked on Facebook by putting out I'm trying to at least educate people to this belief which has destroyed us. And the belief which has destroyed us is the fact that the Constitution is a limit on government. And number two, that the Bill of Rights is a protector of our rights and freedom and liberty. Yeah, when you've been programmed your entire life, you tend to believe lies even if there are lies well jim we heard it in school we heard it at church mm -hmm. we heard it everywhere we went that you know constitution was inspired by god yeah. well i don't yeah uh you know when uh, when the constitution voted to not have prayers uh <laughs> i think uh, we we have to kick that one out the door the because i've never washed his hands at that point yeah i've never met a group of 55 christians who didn't want to pray? Really? And, and who, who would didn't vote want against to bring an uh, outsider into the deliberations? <laughs> yeah. Well, we can't submit these uh, these proceedings to a foreign power," said Alexander Hamilton. Yeah. Oh man. So, you know, Aaron Burr can shot you, him a little too late. Can you imagine? Yeah, about twenty years. <laughs> uh, can you imagine Jim going down? to your church, my church, whoever's church it is, and going in and sitting down before the people and saying, well, I tell you what, uh, this country is in a big mess. Uh, maybe we should offer up prayers. And what if the majority of the uh, of the uh, people congregation said, nope, can't do that. We don't want to submit this to a foreign power. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, may I can, may I submit something? Go ahead. Yeah, this is Bob from Florida. You know, just the very nature of calling it, and and I won't fix blame, but just having known all your life, that is the Bill of Rights. You know, the implication is that they're rights, when actually it should be a list of exclusions. <laughs> Because it's things that the government can't do. That's the point. But well, when we but term it a certain like way, a you goods. buy into the narrative, you know. 
But it's a bill of suggestions because the government doesn't have to adhere to it. Well, that's true. If the, if the government had to adhere to the Bill of Rights, why would we have 2,000 federal gun laws? Exactly. Why would we have abortion? Why would we have one unconstitutional war after another? Why would we have lockdowns, <clears throat> pardon me, and mandates? If the people had rights, none of this would have happened. And now, Jim, I know that you're seeing, as I'm seeing, oh boy, are they trying to get away from this COVID thing in a mad rush, aren't they? Oh, yeah. That's one of the reasons they have to shift COVID, everything to Ukraine. <laughs> well, I know, Jim, that you saw where the CDC removed 72,000 names from the COVID death list. Yeah, it was even more than that. <laughs> that's that's a well, low number. Well, that, that, that was their first stroke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 72,000, and they said it was a faulty algorithm. Yeah. Yeah, that was their first admission. You know, it was several months ago I had uh, a guy that I was that had been researching it, and he had found at least 150,000. And they were slowly replacing the deaths with um, non-death adverse events. And... Uh, but you could go in and check and look at, you know, if you went back, like in the Wayback Machine, you could punch in, because everything's done sequentially in that system, uh, you would find that somebody was there, and then when you look now, they're all of a sudden they're gone. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the whole thing is a big mess. But just shows that they're criminal, corrupt, and uh, lying to the people every single time they move. Well, the only rights you have in this country and you know i love this debate but the only rights you have are the ones that government says well we might let you do that if you are willing to pay us some money or if you're willing to jump through this hoop or if you're willing to jump through that hoop one of the things that just absolutely destroyed me jim was the number of people who readily bought into concealed carry permits oh yeah I stopped teaching them. I, st I used to teach uh, concealed carry in Ohio until the bill passed. And then I stopped because I wasn't going to be a part of somebody giving up their God-given right for state-granted privilege. And I have never obtained a permit, nor will I ever. And uh, I've carried everywhere I've gone since 1978. Well, Jim, in 2011, I actually had a, quote, constitutional sheriff, unquote, hmm. offer to pay for mine. <laughs> Don't do me any favors. <laughs> I am serious. I yeah. told him. <clears throat> I told him I had helped him. <clears throat> pardon me. <clears throat> I had helped him get elected. I had campaigned for him because he said he was a constitutional sheriff. Right. And I gave him credit because at least twice a week we would meet at a local restaurant and he would ask questions about the constitution. He wanted to know, you know, uh, is this, you know, is this constitutional? Is that constitutional? Why not? <clears throat> Pardon me. I gave him all kind of credit for wanting to know and wanting to learn. But then once he was elected, I told him, I said, I know what the laws of the state of Colorado are, Dennis. But if uh, anytime you see me, I have 
a firearm with me, regardless of where you see me, I am armed, and my authorization comes from my creator. Exactly. Doesn't come from the Bill of Rights. It doesn't come from any a, a permit. It doesn't come from anything else. And he said, "Look, Mike, if you will get one, I'll pay for it." <laughs> and I said, "Nope, it ain't happening, Dennis." And it was amazing because I saw Second Amendment groups in several states just embrace them embrace this like it was manna from heaven oh yeah because they're ignorant oh we can get you 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 know why wouldn't i want a concealed carry permit because then i can carry legally i said legally my ass are you saying and my favorite question to everyone was are you telling me that the guy who is out with his family and with his children has no right to protect his life, his wife's life, his children's lives, unless the government says it's okay and he pays a fee? The vast majority of the generally dumb public would agree with that. And therein lies the problem. Well, Jim, that's why we're not free. Exactly. Because people have accepted government control of your rights. If you have to ask the government if you can do something, and if you ask them if you can do it, you have granted them the authority to say no. That's right. And I'll never understand, Jim, why people can't understand this. You have no rights under the Bill of Rights. The Constitution does not limit government. Nope. And... I had someone recently tell me, well, you you know, if you read the amendment, we have the right to petition for a redress of grievances. I said, oh, yeah, you got a right to petition, petition your ass off. January they don't 6th have to mean answer anything it. to you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they don't have to answer it. That's right. And, Jim, you mentioned that. I don't know if you are aware of a decision that was rendered a couple of days ago where a lady who was a pizza owner, pizza shop owner, are you familiar with that case? No. Who was involved in the January the 6th proceedings, and she has been in jail since then, was arrested on January the 6th, has been in jail since then. Her business is being run by relatives. Her father had a heart attack and is, uh, you know, in very, very serious condition. So she decided that she would petition the courts under this citizenship deal. And she went in, filed her paperwork, and went into uh, the courts and petitioned to be released on bail because of her citizenship status. And the federal judge, appointed by Trump, said, in essence, I don't give a damn what your status is. You ain't getting out. <laughs> so another magic bean bites the dust yeah I just heard one the other day where a guy he actually had video he was escorted into the capitol by capitol police didn't touch anything didn't break anything didn't do anything walked in turned around and walked out he was arrested by the FBI charged he was released 
and um, he was looking at maybe 15 to 20 years, and he committed suicide, hung himself in his garage here a couple of days ago as a result. Well, Jim, that makes me think, and I'm jumping jumping the uh, traces here, but it makes mm-hmm. me re- remember a case of the uh, BLM in uh, Utah back maybe 15 years ago. And this is the Bureau of Land Management for those. The Bureau of Land Management, yes. The Bureau of Land Management that went in and got a lot of artifacts collectors Mm -hmm. and put them in prison because of the Antiquities Act. And there were several of these people never should have been charged with anything. They were good people. And several of those people ended up committing suicide. Because the federal government had destroyed their lives. Yep. And in a, in a court hearing, one of the leaders of that movement in uh, eastern Utah ended up being the head guy at the Bundy Ranch. Hmm. And he testified under oath, Jim. Most people aren't aware of this because, you know, they go, oh, well. But, you know, I know this crazy uh, rebel guy who uh, sometimes orders uh, transcripts of trials just so I can look at what happened. And during one of those trials, this BLM agent admitted that the United States government has a hit list of citizens. Something we've suspected quite for a long time, and they admit it. Yeah, he admitted it under oath. That government, agencies, that, <laughs> that government agencies have a hit list, which is just beyond, and yet, you know, and Jim, I knew it was over, absolutely knew it was over here a few weeks ago, when several think tanks, and I don't know if I sent you those think tank letters, which I was uh, privileged to get my hands on, and I appreciate it. But there were think tank letters to both the Republican and the Democrat parties. Hmm. And the most emphatic was to the Democrat party and said, if you don't get off of this COVID thing, it has lost its effect. The people don't give a damn anymore about your variants and about your all of your other stuff. Right. The the luster is falling off of your halo. And if you don't get rid of this COVID thing, if you do not just declare victory and move on from COVID the election of 2022 is going to be a farce. Now, both political parties were told that. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, Putin invades Ukraine. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> How freaking convenient can you get? Let's switch to plan B. <laughs> yeah, and so then COVID goes away and it's Russia, Russia, Russia again. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. Russia, Russia, Russia is the favorite tune of Boobus, Boobus, Boobus. Mm-hmm. I covered that on my morning show. We have met the enemy and he is us. We got more to worry about from inside our beltway in D.C. than we got anything to worry about from Putin. Absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, one of the uh, adages in my military training was the enemy that has to be dealt with first is the enemy which is closest. (laughs) Right. D.C. is a lot closer than Moscow. And it's very simple, you know, and Jim, 
here's one of the questions I have thrown out on several occasions. Is there, and I did this on my uh, teaching platform on Tuesday night on my live classes. Here's a question. Is there anyone who could tell you today in America, and let's go down to the local level. Is there anyone, let's forget the federal government and forget the state government. Is there anyone anywhere who can tell you unequivocally that where they live, their government is honest? If they do, they're lying. I mean, even their local governments, are their local governments honest? I can't say there. I can't. And I've lived in a bunch of places over the past 25 years, a bunch of states, two Indian reservations. I've lived a bunch of places. There is no such thing as a government which is not corrupt. Yep. Go pull up Illinois Leaks website and you'll see all the things that they uncover. Government by and of itself is the definition of corruption. Governments could not exist if they were not corrupt. The people wouldn't the people would not accept anything except from an entity that has the force to make you do what they want to. That in and of itself is the absolute opposite of liberty. Thomas Jefferson once defined freedom as the absence of coercion. Four words. Somebody please tell me a government that exists anywhere that does not demand the right of coercion. If governments did not demand coercion, they wouldn't be in existence because the people would have to buy what they're selling for what it's worth. They would have to accept it for, it's, is it good for me or is it bad for me? And once the people realize that government is never going to be good for them, they would opt out. Government can only exist under coercion. Let's drop back to the uh, Declaration of Independence. All just governments operate under consent of the governed. A just government, a legal government, a moral government can only operate in an, in an environment where the people consent to its operation. Now, they can manufacture consent through compulsion. But how many people in America today, and we're running up here on the 1st of April, so it looks like it's tax days coming up in a couple of weeks. How many people in America would pay income tax if they didn't have to? I don't, because I don't have to. <laughs> well, me either. Me either, Jim. But I'm talking about that vast majority out there who will be they filling out these forms. They think they have to. Yes. Because they've been programmed and lied to. <laughs> And then the thing that continues to amaze me, Jim, over and over and over again are the people in this country who go, well, yes, this government we're living under is absolutely corrupt and it's destroying us. It's stealing our money. It's killing our children. Uh, can I have another government, please? Yeah. And, Jim, uh, this is the thing. 
as long as there are gov- as long as there are governments the people who are sociopaths and psychopaths will find a way to control those governments because it gives them un unequal power over others and that is the very intent of a psychopath and a sociopath mm-hmm. get right down to the bottom line if someone is running for office if you ask them why are you running for office they'll tell you all kind of lies but at the bottom of their intent is i intend to tell you and other people what i want you to do if that's not the bottom line why would someone run for office If you didn't want power over others, why would you run for office? I mean, of course, yeah, you could say, well, I intend to change this system. Yeah, right. (laughs) They all promise everything. Mm -hmm. And none of them ever deliver. Well, Jim, one of the things is just more of the same. One of the things I've noticed, it's always, uh, you know, have you ever heard anyone who won an election complain about voter fraud? <laughs> uh, nope. <laughs> Have you ever heard anyone who won an election complain about voter turnout? Nope. And the other thing that you just can't get through Bubis's head is if you run down to the polls and vote you authorize government you authorize government to do whatever the hell it wants to because you supported it by voting now people i've had people get angry about that and go no i didn't i supported so-and-so no you didn't you supported the government you support the system you accepted the outcome when you vote yep you become a part of the system that is so hard to get people to understand, Jim. You know, I, you know, but uh, hey, uh, before we get uh, too far into this, uh, may I announce what I talked to you about earlier? Yes, definitely. Go right ahead. All right. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate the platform for that. Effective uh, tomorrow, I will do a program on Revolution Radio called Dare to Think Out Loud. And Sunday, I will do my regular program with Old DW titled. Uh, addicted to our own destruction and those will be my last two programs at Revolution Radio I will no longer be there but I am moving to a platform which starts tomorrow and the title of that program or platform and you can type this into your computer and it will take you to a countdown page right now which is called speakfreeradio.com and on that platform, you will see the countdown coming for coming up, and the launch is tomorrow. And this is going to be exactly as it says, Speak Free Radio. And in the future, when I have a program and I have guests on, and we talk about the truth, it will not be labeled hate speech. I'm fed up with that. I'm fed up with bringing the truth to the American public and being called hate speech because that is straight out of Karl Marx's playbook. Yep. Make sure you call the people who tell the truth names, homophobes, 
uh, conspiracy theorist. Oh, there's hate speech. And just recently, the fact that cultural Marxism has been labeled hate speech and anti-Semite. Now, people, I don't know how much more you need to know than that. But anyway, I'll be moving to that platform. I will have four programs on that platform. I will have my Dare to Think Out Loud program, but it will be on Fridays between 5 and 7 p.m. Eastern. Still be with old Cal on that program. On Sundays, I will still have Addicted to Our Own Destruction. And that will be on Sundays at 5 to 7 instead of Sundays at 6 to 8. On Mondays, I have a brand new program, which will be called Whistling Dixie, where we will delve into the actual factual history of the war to prevent Southern independence. And then on Thursday, this one I'm really looking forward to, and the, the title of this program will be KGB. <laughs> And that is the Kaminsky Gaddy Brain Trust. And I will be on with John Kaminsky, one of the most brilliant men I have ever met anywhere. And we will be talking about world situation from many different angles. That will also be 5 to 7 p.m. All of my programs will be from 5 to 7 p.m. So, uh, Jim, I appreciate you allowing me to tell the audience that and I hope that uh, folks will uh, come over to Speak Free Radio because uh, you're going to hear the truth. You may not like it, but you're going to hear the truth. Amen. So I don't think that there's anything more important than that. And when you can label the truth as hate, you are controlling people's minds. And that is their entire, entire effort so uh any thoughts or questions on that jim no i think it's great i'm just in the process of grabbing the graphics and all the uh uh text and everything and plugging it into the telegram channel i've already put the basics in the chat room so people can uh, get that and i thank mer for uh, putting the full web address in um but i've got uh the graphics and all that that I'll be putting in the uh, Telegram channel to further promote things. And I wish you all the best on those shows. I think it's going to be great. Well, thank you, buddy. Here's the other thing, too, is we will have a chat room. And uh -huh. no, one in that, no one in that chat room is going to be shut down unless they're offensive. And you won't be shut down by management because you are engaging in hate speech. And, Murr, I know that's happened to you. So that's not going to happen here. Also, there's going to be another great advantage to this one is if you miss the programs, the recordings of those programs will be just like Jim does with his. They will be posted shortly thereafter. And not only that, but if you monitor podcasts and have a, uh, you know, something on your uh, Internet to where you monitor, you know, where you receive certain podcast uh, podcasts, ooh, uh, each one of our programs will be sent to as a podcast so uh, -huh. uh the, the access is going to be fantastic and good old paul english uh from uh, uh the uk and uh 
just like to throw in a little happy birthday for Paul English today because today is Paul's birthday. Oh, cool. So uh, I give him a lot of kudos for everything Paul has worked his butt off to create with Speak Free Radio. He and several others uh, who prefer not to be named have just absolutely done yeoman's work in trying to bring to the people globally the truth. And, you know, the great thing about the truth is you can accept it or not accept it. Nobody's going to call you names if you do. Nobody's going to call you names if you don't. Bingo. So if the if the truth is important to you, then there's a place to find it. Cool. I'm just I gotta talk to Paul and see if he's gonna simulcast. I know there are some things that are gonna be simulcast in different places. I just wonder if our Euro folks stuff is gonna go over there too, automatically. I have to find I'm out. I'm not. I don't know about that, but uh, I'm sure that he could probably answer that question for you. Oh yeah. Yeah, I haven't had a chance. I've been leaving Paul alone because I know he's been super busy. But uh, I'll send him a note and say, at the very least, happy birthday. <laughs> and congratulations. Oh, yes. Well, here, uh, you know, back on our subject, let me, if I may, just quote something I wrote several years back about this entire issue. And that is, what more is required to prove voting will not change anything than the fact voting is encouraged by government officials, politicians, bureaucrats, and the media? Do you really believe if voting would return us to constitutional governance and limit government to only its so-called delegated powers, members of the government and the media would be encouraging it? Dream on, broomstick cowboy. I totally understand the frustration of millions with the path our government has taken. Voting us there, it cannot take us back to the government of Jefferson, but it is when that frustration turns to idolatry of one candidate because they aren't the other candidate is when it becomes most disconcerting to those with a working knowledge of the true facts of history. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking of something as that was running through my head, Jim. Uh, you know, I think uh, she goes unacknowledged too often here. But I'll tell you, a real warrior for the truth out there is Murr Bailey. Mm -hmm. And uh, Murr, I probably haven't done it publicly as much as I should have. But, lady, I just want to take this opportunity to thank you for everything you do. It's phenomenal. Thank you very much. I second that. Murr's a stalwart, uh, hard-working patriot. And she's out there, always, it seems. <laughs> always popping up with stuff and providing information. Somebody no sooner mentioned it, and boom, there it is. Yep, she, she will certainly come up with it. I know she's helped me out on numerous uh, instances. And, and one time, you know, I was trying to think of the... Uh, uh, the CIA director who uh, uh, made the uh, pronouncement before Congress that uh, uh, they, the CIA owned every one of any major significance in the U.S. media. And I, at the time, just could not remember his name. And I tell you what, it wasn't uh, 25 seconds later, Murr had it to me. So, <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
Uh, just to, just so you know, in the chat room, she just said, making me cry. <laughs> yeah, William Colby. <laughs> yeah, William Colby. Yeah. Uh, the cheese man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The guy who had problems paddling a canoe. Yeah, buddy. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Mur, uh, you don't need to cry, girl. You are just one fantastic patriot. And uh, there's a lot of people out there, including myself, that owe you a lot for what you do. So thank you. And sometimes, Jim, I don't think we do that enough to the people who really stand up for this, uh, what we're trying to present here. Yeah, yeah. I try to thank Mur and others every so often whenever I get, you know, whenever it strikes me, but I, I know it's not enough. You know, it's folks out there that doing that kind of stuff that really helps these shows, you know, get better. Oh, yes. And Lord knows my sure. show needs all the help it can get. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, Jim, but the one thing I'll tell you is it used to, I don't keep up with chat rooms. No. I don't because to me it's a distraction. Yeah, it's, not that I don't, <laughs> it's not that I don't care what people say or what they think. It's not that. I. It's just my... Uh, focused brain and i have to if I, if something takes me off a tangent takes me off i lose my place mm -hmm. so i don't keep up with chat rooms but uh i know that uh, folks like dw on our program he does and he's constantly sending me uh you know what uh, uh you know the quick shots of what was going on in chat and what have you during breaks and what have you and uh you know i i just felt like it was absolutely insane what was being done to people in the chat room at other locations uh, and being shut down for hate speech. You don't have the right. No one has the right to tell us what we believe is hate speech. Yeah. That's, That's just wrong. Sure. Especially if it happens to be the truth, which makes it even even worse. Yeah. You know, and the, and the very truth is the person is, you know, accusing of hate speech is the one that's engaging in it. Uh, well, Jim, who do we hate? Do we hate hate speechers or do we hate the people that hate hate speech? Yeah, there you go. Uh, whoever's telling the truth, they're the ones that you need to hate, according yeah. to the powers that yeah, be. You, well, what when you do something like that, what is that but trying to silence opposition? Right. And I mean, people to jump up and down, you know, it was, uh, I believe it was Patrick Henry says, I may not agree with what he has to say, what he has to say, but I'll defend to the death his right to say it. And that's what people have really forgotten, especially on the left. Uh, they have no argument against it because they're totally screwed up. And because of that, the only thing they can do is stamp their feet and, you know, hold their breath and, and whine and cry because we need to get rid of those people. You know, the, the, you know, the people on the right, you know, if they don't like the show, they just change the channel. On the left, those suckers want to get the channel off the air so nobody can hear it, regardless. And that's Exactly. Just, yeah. And Jim. Uh, Lou, go ahead. We're close enough to an hour, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> I guess he just uh, forgot that he was unmuted or something. Didn't have a, I guess he didn't have oh. anything to say. Yeah, a lot of that uh, traffic noise. Is our uh, good friend and uh, fellow conspirator, old uh, Robert Hudson, is he available out there today, Jim? I'm not seeing him on the board. He's probably working. I'm sure he'll probably pop in during his lunch break if he can. But so far, uh, I haven't seen him yet today. He's probably listening, though, and that's probably tickling his ears at this point. <laughs> so I'm sure if he can, he will show up. 
Well, it's uh, usually when I hear that extraneous noise there, I think of Robert. Right. When he, op- <laughs> when he opens his mic, there's usually something going on behind him. Speak of the devil, guess who just popped in? Oh, my. <laughs> Where are you, Robert? You able to talk, buddy? Yeah, I'm at a McDonald's, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm here. Okay. Oh, you're getting that healthy food. <laughs> I didn't say I ate here. I'm just here for the Wi-Fi. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, I was going to tell you, Robert, if they give you your Big, Na- Big Mac in one of those cardboard boxes, throw the Big Mac away and eat the cardboard box. It's got more nutrition. It might, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good show, by the way, thus far. Very good show. Well, thank you, Robert. Uh, and uh, you are also one of those people that fits in with that category with Mur Bailey. Yep. Uh, we we owe you a lot as well, my friend. For what? <laughs> well, well, at least you didn't say you were going to cry. No, no, <laughs> not not that. He's already and, over, um, and he's that's big, just automatic. Yeah, big congrats on uh, the new uh, show format, uh, uh, Speak Free, or yeah, Speak Free Radio. I'm looking forward to that next week. That's going to be cool. Well. Thank you, sir. My first program will be on April the 7th, and that will be with uh, John Kaminsky and our KGB program. And John, as I said, is just one brilliant individual. And when I told him a couple of days ago, uh, I said, uh, and I sent him the uh, logo, and I said, here's going to be the logo for our program, and it's uh, uh, the KGB. And my first response from John Kaminsky was, do I have to call you comrade? <laughs> That's good. Whoever did the graphics yeah. did a great job. I'll oh, well, that's Miss Lily. Miss Lily. Miss Lily will work. be. Yeah, she will be also the monitor, if, if, as far as that goes, of the Speak Free Radio's chat room. Hmm. She she will be the moderator, and I promise you. Nothing you say will ever be restricted, and it certainly will not be called hate speech. The only thing that will ever be restricted is that if you get offensive. Mm-hmm. And people should be restricted for that. I agree with that you know, because, you know, there are some people who say insulting speech is free speech. Yeah, well, you know, maybe. I, I don't buy it. Yep. But, yeah, she does great work on the graphics. Oh, she's a she's a magician, and uh, she is also very technically. Uh, how can I say this? She's very technically brilliant. Because um, you know the one one thing that John Kaminsky and I found that we shared is that every time we sit down at our computer, there's a short between the keyboard and the, and the seat. <laughs> And uh, when, it, when it comes to technical stuff, she has uh, led us through, in the past couple of days, she has led us through a lot of things that would have <laughs> taken us probably weeks to figure out, and she did it almost instantaneously. So uh, uh, we got to give Miss Lily a lot of credit. Definitely. Definitely. She does great work. And oh. if, if she can school a couple old... Uh, uh, Guys. <laughs> uh, leave it at that. That's even more. 
Well, Jim, you know, I was just sitting here looking and people, I had someone comments this morning. They said, what is your reading list? <laughs> what do you read? And I said, well, at the present time, I am reading several books. And Jim, if I had my camera on, I could show you. Oh, wow. That was a sonic boom from Davis Monthan Air Force Base. Ooh. Kind of shook my place here. Surprised but anyway, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, here are my current reading list. Now, within the past week, I have read parts out of each one of these books. And uh, there is my uh, four volume set of The Secret Relationship Between Blacks and Jews, there is The State's Rights and the Constitution, The Presidency of George Washington a book called Reading, Writing, and Reconstruction. There is another book uh, called The uh, Perfect Holocaust, which was the uh, what England did to Ireland, 1849-1850 era. Mm. And then I have another one called Democracy for the Few. The other book I've been reading is The Confederate War. And then another one called The Articles of Confederation. And then there's my, uh, when I need a little break, there's one by the late Louis Grizzard, and it's titled, They Tore Out My Heart and Stomped That Sucker Flat, uh, where he talks about his open heart surgery. And then there's another book of his titled, Elvis is Dead and I Don't Feel So Good Myself. And then there is uh, my book on Alexander Hamilton, which was written by the Jewish author, and the Jews are now claiming unequivocally that Alexander Hamilton was, in fact, Jewish. <laughs> oh, boy. So that's that's my list think? of books here. That's my list of books that I'm currently uh, been reading this week, Jim. That's quite a list. It is. It's just and, this week, right? Yeah, just this week. And unfortunately, I have probably missed uh, March Madness. I've missed all, missed all those wonderful uh, basketball games. Oh. I have missed, I've missed NASCAR. Well, I've missed, uh, you know, what Major well, League Baseball see, spring training. Th that's regrettable because you know that North Carolina is in the Final Four, right? Your old stomping ground. Well, oh, really? the only thing I know is to ask you this question, Robert. If God oh. is not a Tar Heel... Why is the sky Carolina blue? Yeah, that's a very good question. Oh, I'm, I'm glad I said that. Do you know the name Eric Church? Oh, yes. Have you heard the story about him and his concert last Saturday? Uh, no, I haven't. So he sold out an arena in San Antonio, 15,000 tickets. Okay, 15,000. Right. He sold it out. He canceled the concert. Why? So he could go watch his school, North Carolina, play in the in the tournament. He's got a lot of well, former uh, fans, uh, probably. That would have pissed me off. Well, uh, you know, here's the thing. You shouldn't take people's money and not produce. I'm sure they said, okay, we'll give you refunds. But there yeah. are 15,000 people who made plans, who cut out other things and had planned to be there. I find that totally inconsiderate. I'm glad I do, I've heard of him, but I'm glad I don't listen to his music. Well, he's a big dog, I think, in the country uh, music industry. So uh, I guess he has, um, 
what's what I'm looking at? Panache uh, to do that, gravitas or whatever it is. But I just thought that was like, you got to be kidding me. Really? Probably, really? If he was a cat, he probably used up eight of his nine lives with that one. Well, let me tell you something, guys. If it wasn't Merle Haggard or George Jones, it ain't country. <laughs> uh, what about Willie and and uh, yeah. Johnny and uh, hey, hey Charlie. guys, did did you know that Willie Nelson is ninety one years old and he's going on tour again? Yes, that dude, he's like I did a cockroach, man. <laughs> you could probably drop a nuke on him and he'd survive it. Well, the one thing we know for sure is marijuana won't kill you. <laughs> it might preserve you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that's for sure, man. I I tell you what. Uh, Willie did something, we're jumping ship here, guys, but uh, Willie okay. did something a couple of years ago, and I just, you know, just made me love him even more, was Willie went back and looked at all of the small venues that actually had him back when he was a nobody, and if any of them were still open, any of those venues, Willie went back and did a free concert. That's awesome. That's respecting your roots and the people that supported you when you were nobody. Yeah, well, I guarantee you Taylor Swift won't do that. <laughs> no, probably not. Well, Jim, I don't want to. I I don't want to border on being vulgar here, but one of the things that I am I've been a big fan of country music since I was very very small, and uh, I remember that Chris Christopherson said it's not country music it's the music of our country but i believe i was trying to think if it was hank williams the third or if it was uh shooter jennings who said uh damn it folks it's time to put the o back in country <laughs> amen well, what about garth brooks <laughs> hey uh robert don't you have something to do <laughs> Eat that Big Mac <laughs> and the box that came in. <laughs> oh boy, we're officially in the second hour. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we we obviously in the second hour. Robert, so the board uh, is open you know, for all kinds of stuff now, folk. <laughs> hey, Robert, why don't you go check the air in your bicycle tires? It's a good idea. <laughs> you, you you don't like Garth Brooks, one of the biggest selling uh, acts in country music. Well, he can sell I'd out Vegas. Well, I'd actually rather have COVID. You can take a vaccine for that. <laughs> so so they would lead you to believe. <laughs> well, you know, um, you know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you say as, it to the right people, they'll probably come up with a Garth Brooks vaccine. You know, it'd be oh. just as deadly as the COVID ones. I'm I'm sure. I asked my grandfather one time, guys. Pardon my language here, Jim. It's not real bad. I asked my grandfather one time. I was going I was going to see something. I forgot what it was. And I said, uh, "Hey, Paul, would you like to come with me?" And he said, "Well, no, boy. I believe I'd rather peck shit with the chickens." <laughs> oh boy. Yep. So, so that's. Uh, <laughs> That is uh, basically the way I feel about Garth Brooks. When he aligned himself with Joe Biden and the BLM, he's done. Good grief. Of course, my question would have been, when he was a young, struggling artist, would he have done that? 
Would anybody have cared? Well, if he wasn't wealthy beyond means, I mean, he's made the own statement that even his great-grandchildren won't be able to spend all his money. Jeez. So, uh, you know, someone who is in that kind of position, uh, then they sell their soul to appear to be politically correct. You know, it often makes me wonder, uh, you know, uh, whose ass did they have to kiss to get there? Makes you wonder. Kamala Harris comes to mind. How did she oh, ever get Jim, to be vice president? Jim, Jim, did you have to bring up that name, man? I was, I was <laughs> going to have lunch after this. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, you can puke now and you'll have more room for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, mm. uh, Robert, uh, you uh, listened to my first blathering hour. Uh, do you have any questions, sir? Nothing comes to mind. Well, something does come to mind. Just popped in my head. You you talked about your current reading list. You didn't uh, talk about your past reading list. And I was thinking about Lincoln and the people that we think talk about, that have written about, about Thomas DiLorenzo and um, um, the late, great Laron Bennett. Are you into Murray Rothbard? He's another Lincoln writer. You know him? Oh, Murray Rothbard, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Just absolutely brilliant. He's got a five-volume set uh, out there, and I think I've recommended it on my uh, Teach Me page, haven't I, Robert? You might have enough, I just don't remember. He's got a five-volume set called Conceived in Liberty. Well, one of the things that really got to me was uh, his uh, number five. He had written entirely in his own shorthand before he passed away. Well, the Mises Institute hired someone to go in and to translate his own personal shorthand, took the guy a year to come up with uh, five, conceived in liberty number five. Took him a year to, to uh, interpret and to break down uh, Murray Rothbard's writings. And he did so, and... Uh, then a lot of these people out there who claim to be libertarians who still support the Constitution, but they claim that they're big fans of Murray Rothbard, they suddenly have all forgotten Volume 5 because he blows them out of the water. And Murray Rothbard was also one of the first people to expose uh, the wonderful Ronald Reagan for the clown that he was. I love Rothbard's works. I hope that answered your question, Robert. I have to get some more books from my Salem library. Man. Yes, it did answer my question. Okay. Well, I have taken, uh, there have been a couple of people when I was in Arkansas, I brought into my home and I showed them my collection of books. And now, one of the reasons over the past 20 years that I have given up TV and I have given up sports and I have given up a lot of things that were uh, large in my life prior to that time is I presently have in my lab library something over 3,000 books. I've got some books that were published in 1806, which are, you know, just part of my prize collection. And I've got 
books in 1824, 1832. I've got quite a collection of books. And the one thing I can tell you, folks, is I've read significant parts of all 3,000 of them. So that's why I don't care much for television, Garth Brooks or NASCAR or the NFL or any of that other stuff. Where would you have the time? Really? I don't want time to do that. I, you know, I, I catch enough hell around my house for reading all the time anyway, because there are things that uh, my significant other, my wonderful, beautiful wife, Susanna, re requires that I do from time to time. <laughs> Yeah, we always run into that. Yeah, you know, and uh, she, uh, you know, she told me about 10 years ago, I don't care what you're reading. I want this done. So, <laughs> so I have learned, yes, ma'am. Yep. Mama ain't happy. Ain't nobody happy. Jim, damn, you should say that. There is actually, that is actually a magnet on our refrigerator. Yeah. <laughs> uh... I think there's that, one almost. Well, there should be one on every refrigerator in every house in every in the country. But, yep. That. Yeah, I haven't got the magnet, but I know what it says. <laughs> <laughs> you, it's it's uh, in, in emblazoned on yeah. your mind. It's in my uh, my mental refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. Yep. Mm -mm -mm. Yep. Happy so, wife. Uh, happy life. <laughs> Yeah. No wife, no strife. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, be careful, Jim. Be uh, I'm careful. just reading stuff in the chat room again. There we go. <laughs> get me in trouble. <laughs> okay. Somebody, somebody trying to get you in trouble again, huh? Yeah, that Billy goat boy. I'll tell you what. <laughs> yep. Women drivers, no survivors. That's another one. <laughs> I'm gonna get in trouble with that one. Oh, yeah, boy. absolutely. Mm -mm -mm. Absolutely. Oh well. Hey, Jim. <laughs> Yes, sir. Uh, I need to jump up and do something. Could you cover me for about three minutes? Certainly. Be uh, right back, hope, sir. Hope everything comes out all right. Uh, <laughs> and if anybody else has any comments, um, uh, let's see, where's Mark? If you're still there, uh, I don't see you, but when he gets back, I'll ask him about the... Uh, um, I have to look in the chat so I can remember what I was going to ask him. <laughs> oh, boy. It's up there a ways. Um, ah, yes, Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrate. Yeah, I'm still working on a book about that. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Murr. <laughs> yeah. You know how funny things go. You know, I just, you know, anyway. Got a case of oral diarrhea today, and that get me in trouble every time. But, uh, yeah, I'm writing a book on the, uh, uh, Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrate, and uh, Mark was asking about it, but I don't even see him now. And since we've covered it in the past, maybe I won't bother asking him about it. But, uh, you know, we'll see. But if anyone else has anything they want to bring up, by all means, when uh, when Mike gets back, feel free to jump in. You know, I, I try and keep the first hour on Thursdays for the guest. Um, and I'm not being i'm trying not to be nasty if i mute somebody but you know i just ask you to try and remember that so that mike can get out into his thoughts and then we usually have plenty of time in the second hour to cover whatever else comes to mind but um, are you being nasty i'm not trying to be 
just you okay. know trying to you know like first uh, corinthians uh 1440 i think it is says let all things be, be done decently and in order and uh, when i have a guest they try and want to make sure that they have as much time to get their thoughts out as possible and i know we especially with a two-hour show we usually have enough time for everybody else to get their thoughts out during the second hour but mike's only here once a week and everybody else is here well for the most part every day so or you know, occasionally um who was the oh 17 million embezzlement uh that was robert morris he was uh um basically got money from france borrowed it in the name of the united states government and then embezzled it all gave it to his friends so they can make investments and get rich and pretty much stole it all from the government and then when the uh, war was over and the constitution was drafted he was one of the main reasons why uh when they put in the the um constitution about all debts owed by the federal government were still doing owing after the after the constitution was written but they didn't say anything about debts owed to the federal government because if that was the case robert morris would have hung <laughs> to say the least so that's basically well, what what that was all about um mike's covered that in several of his um uh i think it was the um dare to think out loud shows um i could be wrong it might have been one of the saturday afternoon shows with uh, giuseppe and company but um there's a lot of history there <laughs> and uh well let's see here what we got oh um Mrs. did i miss Dr. a question jim yeah um uh, billy goat was a little late getting in and was uh, asking about the seven million 17 million dollar investment and i was telling him it was robert morris but if you want to fill him in a little bit more feel free well uh the uh point of it was is that the Congress under the Articles of Confederation, because they were in the midst of a war in 1781 and had been for four years prior to that, uh, gave uh, complete authority over the finances to Robert Morris. And Robert Morris hired his good close, close personal friend who was not his relative, but his name was Gouverneur Morris. He hired him to be his assistant. Uh, Morris said, I will take the job only if I get to appoint all of the major positions in the federal government. The Congress agreed because, after all, they were in a war. And also the uh, agent that operated as the exchange of money between France and the U.S., which uh, Morris used, uh, was one Heim Solomon of the synagogue of uh, Philadelphia. And so... That money uh, that was given by France to the United States to fight the war against Britain, who was France's uh, dire enemy, that money was then not used and just given directly to the government. It was put into the Bank of North America, which Robert Morris created. And the first thing he did was he took $270,000 of that money and loaned it to his friends under the condition that they used the money to buy stock in the bank. So in effect, probably no money changed hands, but suddenly there's about 120 people out there with stock in the Bank of North America. Well, then Morris takes this money and loans it to the United States. So the people of the United States had to pay interest on this money twice 
they had to pay interest to the Bank of North America, and they had to pay interest to uh, France. But Morris didn't care because the interest that was paid to the Bank of America went to he and the stockholders. And also, Morris was his company, Willing and Morris, was one of the largest government contractors at the time. And so the uh, war materials were sold. Morris would borrow the money, I mean, would uh, use the money that he had in the bank to buy goods, which he then sold to the American government for use in the war. So he had a big classic scheme going here. I've got a eight-point lesson on Robert Morris, uh, Jim, for anyone who would be interested in it that will kind of fill in and give them the outline here. But uh, uh, Morris, uh, a letter, and I'm trying to find it right now, uh, Jim, so I can read it, was a letter to uh, from Robert Morris to... Francis Hopkinson, who was also a Pennsylvania politician. That's and he the wrote one where this, he was saying that uh, if the right amendment passes, I'll hang. Yep, August 15, 1789, and he says, The House of Representatives are now playing with amendments, but if they make one truly so, I will hang. <laughs> Poor Madison got so cursedly frightened in Virginia that I believe he has dreamed amendments ever since. So if uh, anyone else would uh, like to uh, have the complete rundown on Robert Morris, and the only Anti-Federalist who really exposed him was Samuel Bryan, who wrote as the Anti-Federalist, The Sentinel. Now, of course, today, if you so desire, you can go out and buy all 24 of Sentinel's essays. You can get it on Amazon for... The mere sum of 930 bucks. That they want you to read it so bad they have priced it accordingly. And probably no one exposed the fraud better than did uh, our good friend Samuel Bryan. And that's why you've never heard of him, probably. Most people have never heard of Samuel Bryan. Most people have never heard of Sentinel. Mike, would you say that uh, or Samuel or um, Robert Morris is the reason when they did Article Six of the Constitution, where it says all debts, contracted, and engagements entered into before the adoption of this Constitution shall be as valid against the United States under this Constitution as under the Confederation, and they didn't say anything about all debts owing to the United States? Exactly. Morris was at the Constitutional Convention. So was Gouverneur Morris. So was several stockholders in the Bank of North America were at the Constitutional Convention, and they wanted to make sure that any money they owed to the federal government didn't have to be paid. <laughs> but they wanted to make sure that all interest on monies had to be paid, so that's why they did that in Article 6, Jim. Great, uh, great point, sir. Yep. Well, even a blind hog can rustle up an acorn once in a while. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Well, Great uh, Jim, information. Stuff that you I just may, didn't learn from the coach. Well, uh, let me throw one out here from Sentinel 17, which was Samuel Bryan, and I won't uh, go too deep into it. It's uh, rather lengthy. But he says, in my last number, I exposed the villainous intention of the framers of the new Constitution 
to defraud the public out of millions lying in the hands of individuals by the construction of this very system, which would, if established, cancel all debts now due to the United States. I also show that thereby the delinquent states would be exonerated of all arrearages owed them on former requisitions of Congress, and to prove that the canceling of all public dues was premeditated in regard to individuals, I stated that the General Convention contained a number of these public defaulters, and that these were the most influential members, and chiefly instrumental in framing the new Constitution, in answer to which the conspirators have, by bold assertions, spurious vouchers, and insufficient certificates, have, they have endeavored to exculpate each other and to alleviate the weight of the charge of delinquency against each other. So they also, Jim, don't forget the ex post facto law. Yep. And they put that in as well, and it sounds good. In today's world, it sounds good. But they put it in in 1787 to make sure once the Constitution was ratified, no one could pass a law making them have to repay the money. <laughs> oh, man. I'll oh, ain't it, ain't it a bitch when you know the rest of the story? Uh, we done took the red pill and went down the rabbit hole a lot further than we thought it would go. Man. Absolutely. Well, I hope I hope we answered that question for Billy Goat. Hi. Well, if not, we'll look for follow-up questions. But uh, All righty. I think. So if anybody else has any other questions they want to bring up, um, feel free. Uh, we still got, uh, oh, good grief, 36 minutes left. So we got time to chat about just about anything you want. And I'd hate for it to all be dead air. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hot air is one thing, dead air is another. <laughs> I'll, I'll pipe up. All can right, you, go pipe away. Can you tell us about the format of your new radio station? Is it going to be 24 hours a day and, you know, what kind of program you're going to have on it, that kind of stuff? Well, uh, I wish I could answer those questions. Not being an engineer and not being in charge of that, I am not sure. But I do know that there's going to be lots of stuff out there. They're going to even going to have some music from time to time. And there will, oh yes, I have, was just informed by Miss Lily that it will be 24 hours a day. And that, uh, thank you, Miss Lily, for, uh, I know she's listening in, so uh, yes. Uh, it will be 24 hours a day and lots of stuff to be brought up and lots of stuff. And there will be some simulcast. There will yeah. be programs that are already being heard on other venues that will be simulcast. So if someone has a real good program somewhere else and they're not at the time on uh, Speed Free Radio, they will be simulcast. So you can hear those. Yeah, that's uh, one thing. Uh with Paul, you know, when back when we were uh, doing pa People's Patriot Network, which was we had our own server, um, Paul was simulcasting my show and Robert's show or uh, um, uh, Roger's show on uh, uh, Eurofolk. And then when our um, when our uh, servers went down, he just merged us on there because we were, you know, he had already put us in the same time slot that we were doing before. So it was an easy merge to run in there. So I would be pretty uh, 
I would assume that he's probably going to do the same kind of thing because with a new network, you don't automatically have enough uh, uh, shows to fill all the slots. So he'll probably be running simulcasts from this network and maybe a few others to cover, you know, open spots in the in the lineup and uh, to make sure that people have something to listen to and to give the, the shows, you know, a wider coverage range. So hopefully that'll be the case and we'll see what happens. But, you know, Paul would be the person to ask about that, but unfortunately he's more in the background. You really can't get to him very well. But uh, I would say thank you to Miss Lily for the uh, update and congratulations on the fine artwork and everything you've been doing to help Mike and all his buddies. Uh, and fantastic stuff. Really love your work. Yeah, and the, the website does look good, the, the countdown yeah. page. Mike, I'm assuming there will be a link or some area where you can donate if you are so inclined. Oh, I am sure that will be uh, provided. Uh, I Again, okay. I have no access of the technical aspects, but I'm sure it will be provided. And thanks for okay. asking that question. Sure, sure. Yeah, I would imagine Paul's probably, you know, he's the one that has the answers to all those questions because he's the one that set up the network and uh, he and his uh, compadres. But, um, and he's been working on this for quite some time and uh, looks like the finished project's really going to be nice. Uh, that website looks good. Everything looks good so far that we can see of it. Um, but those are really questions you'll have to pose to him or, you know, they'll probably have a contact me button uh, on the uh site when it opens up that you'll be able to pose those questions if if you don't see anything you know that readily answers them for you but okay anybody okay. else any questions that killed a few minutes we still got more to yeah. go though <laughs> well, any questions at all guys about anything who's your favorite founder or your not-so-favorite founders? Anybody? Well, I hate the phrase founder. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, because yeah, it, really. it, it puts them all in one chicken coop. And uh, people, please remember, these people did not get along. They had duels. Yeah. <laughs> this, to believe that all... I have a question, of, if you can hear me. Okay, go, go ahead, ahead, Bob. Yeah. Oh, uh, let's think. What What's the name of the books that include the Declaration, the Articles, the Northwest Ordinances, um, Constitution, et cetera? What, what's that body of, when they're considered in aggregate, what is that? What's that called? Um, Organic law. What I'm trying to, correct, it is but there's a particular name if you go to a federal book repository you you know if you're looking for those particular items what's that called uh, um, anyway they're all still extant they're still in effect and I, I guess i've never wrapped my mind around that's my assumption that's my learning what's been taught to me how can something as antithetical as the articles and the constitution still both be in effect is it a matter of which jurisdiction you're under or which you choose to be under because you know they don't i mean the reason that they subverted 
got rid of uh, the articles is because they were ineffective for their purposes, theirs being the nefarious ones, and way too uh, conducive to freedom and uh, enterprise and prosperity. So how can they still be valid, enforceable, in play when the Constitution is so against that or certainly allowed for us to drift away from that? Does that make sense? Well, I see what you're saying, but there are plenty of people out there among those we call founders who said that the, uh, including Patrick Henry, who said that the Constitution of 1787 was a revolution even stronger than the revolution that separated us from England. And in essence, if right. you really look at it, the people who uh, control government, the wealthy and the well-born, they went kicking and screaming into the revolution because they didn't want it, because King George was the source of their power but then and their wealth. But then they realized that, hey, if we want to continue our wealth and our position, then we have to have a government that supports us. And that's why uh, I think of John Francis Mercer said at least 32, and he listed them, at least 32 members of the Constitutional Convention secretly wanted a monarchy. Okay. That's good. Excuse my dinger here. Um, that's good, but it doesn't really address my question in terms of how can all of that all those documents be still in force when they're so antithetical to each other. I'm not doubting well, that they are. I'm posting. I'm postulating that they are. Well, and, the, uh, uh, it's it's a radical departure, you know, for the Constitution to be compared to the to the Articles, which of course is why the Articles, if they're even mentioned in a modern textbook, are simply relegated to a sentence or two and passed over with a little gloss, and you go right on to the Constitution. Well, one of the things that really troubles me is so many people today, including all of your modern historians, say that the reason that we had to have a constitution, the reason that the Articles of Confederation were so weak is because of the debt that was created by Robert Morris and the rest of them with the Bank of North America. So then the people who caused the problem are then elected to a convention to fix the problem? Really? Well, yeah, <laughs> of course, it's the American way. <laughs> yeah, I understand your point. But uh, here's May the I? thing. Uh, let me finish one second, then I'd like for you to jump in uh, to finish this thought. But uh, the Constitution was a criminal conspiracy, as said by Samuel Bryan, because everything they did at the Constitutional Convention violated the standing law of the land at that time, and that was the Articles of Confederation. So, in essence, everything that Samuel Bryan says is correct. It was a criminal conspiracy. And to prove it's a conspiracy, they swore each other to secrecy for 50 years. Now, if you were doing something good for somebody, why would you insist that if you're trying to help the whole country fix a problem, why would you say, well, we don't want anybody to know what we did here until we're dead? Must have had the same law firm as Pfizer. Yeah, I would think I would say you're probably at least that's the same line of thought. But uh, if yeah. you really look at it, 
the Constitution of 1787 was a revolution against the Declaration of Independence. Very much. I agree. Okay, Roger, go ahead. Yeah, I have often wondered the same question myself, and I remember either reading or somebody reading it, uh, maybe on a show, that the Constitution um, stated that it was uh, either superior or it did state it was the supreme law of the land, but it it said something about the declar or the uh, articles of confederation and that they were no longer in existence or the constitution replaced it. I, I saw that or heard it somewhere, and uh, the trouble is, they they do this a lot. They'll pass a law, and they replace it with another law, but they never abolished the previous law. The only time I've ever seen it done was with the 18th and 21st Amendment on prohibition, where they absolutely, in the 21st Amendment, said that the 18th Amendment was hereby abolished. It's the only time I've seen them do it. And I asked one of the, where he said he was the person who ran marijuana and alcohol control board here in, in the state of Washington. And I asked them, where did they get the authority to criminalize marijuana without an amendment to the Constitution like they did with alcohol and good. then later repealed it? And he Very had no answer. Point. Yep. No, there is no, no answer to that. There is no answer to that. But you know who uh, put all of the money behind the uh, criminality behind uh, uh, marijuana, right? Cotton growers. No, um, Randolph Hearst. I think William the, Randolph Hearst. Uh, William Randolph Hearst did it because he had millions of acres of pine trees and cannabis or, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, hemp. is hemp is so much better than paper, makes a better grade of paper, and it's renewable every year. You don't have to wait 20 years for a pine tree to grow. But he knew about, that if he knew that if it wasn't made illegal, if hemp wasn't made illegal, that his millions of dollars invested in in uh, pine trees, uh, he, it would be lost. Yeah. So what about Dupont? Used, the cotton industry well, was also DuPont big was on just it for the well. same reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they put okay. their money. For you. They, I they have another made, question first. I, they even I, made movies, guys. They made movies to demonize. The devil marijuana, and it was made a oh, class yeah. one drug like heroin, which is totally yeah. BS. Reefer madness. Reefer madness. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Reefer that was madness. the big one. That's it. Yes. Guy smoked marijuana while playing a piano, and his eyes just about fell out. Yeah. So anyway, um, I got all the information, uh, Mike, on your new shows except the last two. There's one on Wednesday night and another night. No, there's Other Thursday night and Friday night. There is Saturday no program. Night. On, yeah, there is no, no Thursday and Friday. I have nothing on Wednesday, nothing on Saturday. Okay. Well, it's I, all in the chat I room. Have, I have the Friday night and the Sunday, which are right. the ones you're doing now on 
Revolution Radio, but you're going to switch that. I understand that. And the times you said were all five to seven. So what were the other two? The other is Monday evenings uh, will be five to seven, and that will be a program titled Whistling Dixie. And that's going to be to present the truth of the war to prevent Southern independence. We've been lied to about that for 150 years. It's taught in school. They're all lies. I'm going to produce source documents to reveal that these lies were all told and that Lincoln probably violated the Constitution more than any president in American history. Obama couldn't hold a light to Lincoln. That's why they have a monument for him in Washington, D.C. They might eventually for Obama. So what was oh, the I'm other sure night? They will. Check the chat the other room. Night, it's all there. I just put it in again. I'm sure the schedule will be up. I just put oh, it again in the chat room. Yeah. All you got to do is click it, and it'll be, you'll see it. <clears throat> T.W. Hey, in the house. Hey, so, D.W. Hey, board. D.W., what you got on? You mind? <laughs> Permission granted. Hey, uh, well, thank you. Uh, Bob had a really good question there, which I, I, I'd like to contribute to if I might. Uh, I've had to explain this to several uh, battle flag uh, <clears throat> neighbors, <laughs> people in my community here. Uh, why did they, why did they, uh, what was the name of the, uh, the Confederate government? Well, it was the Confederate government. <laughs> right. So where, where did they, where did they draw that name from? Uh, Articles well, of Confederation. I, they, uh, my, my supposition on that is they drew it from the original, uh, Confederation of, uh, that was uh, uh, the original government. The articles. The, articles the, the, yeah. So uh, to answer your question, Bob, so I, I, I just want to establish that, that premise of what words and you know, words mean something. Uh, the Confederation wasn't just an arbitrary, uh, you know, name. They chose that for a purpose. And because they were, I my, my supposition is they were, they were going to that law of the right of succession um, uh, under those articles. And, and so to answer your question, Bob, the wh whether the Articles of Confederation have any validity whatsoever, whether it's still in existence, maybe as a piece of paper, but it's not actionable, there's no mechanism. And that decision was... Um, brought home clear at the end of uh, hostilities and what the North called the rebellion. Articles of Confederation are a, a dead letter. Um, and uh, as, you're, as, as well as you're finding out that the, the thing called the Constitution is a dead letter too. So, but that's, that was determined at, the, uh, at Appomattox. So. So you would draw the analogy that it's a house that's there, but nobody's living in it. There's no action because it's a relic or an artifact, essentially. Lost to war. It, it means no more. It, it means no more than the Magna Carta. It's, yeah. It, wait a minute, guys. Wait a minute. It means Help me out here, buddy. Are you telling me yeah. that we can have laws which are determined by? Bullets, cannons, and violence? 
Yeah, it's called, uh, it's a book that I'm reading right now, Mike. Uh, the damn thing costs $175, right? And uh, they don't want you to read it, but it's their latest manifesto of the people that have usurped everything everywhere. It's called The Right of Conquest. Okay. So, yes, I, I am saying that. Oh, I have that one. And, uh, that was That's a rhetorical question because I want people to let that sink oh. in, DW. I wasn't challenging you. <laughs> What, what I, I want I people to think uh, about yeah. is the, uh, the Justice uh, Antonin Scalia made that exact same point when he was asked publicly, is there a right of secession? And he said, no, the Civil War settled that. So it wasn't settled by constitutions. It wasn't settled by uh, people making decisions. It was it was settled by guns, violence, bombs, cannons. That is what the government looks at as their determining factor. Who has the most force? That's why you can't own the guns they do. You mean we paid for them to break the contract? We paid for oh, yes. lies, huh? <laughs> well, you keep paying them all the time. You know, how many Supreme Court justices are, are being paid now? Yeah, no doubt. I had, I had a question. Um, you know, you, you talk about not having government. How do what's the sales pitch to people? You know, people, people are probably not going to accept no government. But what's the sales pitch to, uh, you know, get rid of the, the government that we've got? Like, how, how do we do we just do we promote the fact well, of all the corruption we've got and we can you know govern ourselves with local, you know, courts or I mean, what what's the thought here? People don't understand government. They don't understand it for what it is, Cody. If you came to me, if I'm a doctor and you came to me and you said, hey, you know, uh, uh, I, I'm feeling bad here. Uh, check out uh, and see what is wrong with me. And I said, OK, well, Cody, damn, I hate to tell you, buddy, but you've got cancer of the liver. And you said, oh, damn, I don't want that one. Can I trade that in for cancer of the brain? That's the logic that people are talking about. Well, I, I, I understand that, but what is the sales pitch? What is the counter propaganda? You got to start building in the same way we've been brainwashed. We got to have, you know, counter brainwashing. So what do but we, you, you know, what do we impress upon people in conversation and on programs, to, you know, to get them? What do we? How do we impress upon the younger people? What to let you them have to impress on people <clears throat> is that the government is not their daddy that they are, in fact, children of God. And most people simply will not accept that. They are not in favor of it. They want the somebody to be their benefactor. <laughs> Until you change the hearts of the people, May you don't, it doesn't matter what you, what you... You can't make them want that. Well, you COVID know, that, has changed some to be of that. From somewhere would, else. COVID has yeah. changed some of that, especially mm -hmm. the young people. Go ahead, Daryl. Well, well I, I, would, I would pose it... I would I would pose it in a question. <clears throat> uh, questions usually work better. So give them a choice. Uh, do you do you want government or do you want freedom and liberty? I would give them that choice. Keep it simple. You know, we're not dealing with uh, you have to you have to address this in the context of the audience you're talking about. Don't get too sophisticated. Don't it? do you want freedom and liberty or do you want government because these are, these are absolutely foundationally diametrically opposed 
uh, opposites. Freedom and liberty are diametrically opposite to government. So you have to pick and choose. Which one do you want? Darryl, of course, I'm, I'm chuckling uh, because I, I can imagine a Mark Dice interview where he asks them that and they say, yes, we want freedom and liberty and the government should give it to us. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a reason why I love you, Probity. No, that's that's one of them right there. Uh, the uh, so so then I have a question, uh, Cody, for you and 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 there's a great group of people on here right now. And so I, uh, that was actually the reason I called is because this is such a great resource of people and thinkers and researchers and who people are pursuing the truth, and that's why they listen to Mike and Sarge and and these things is if you would do me this favor from an open source intelligence um, um, uh, sourcing, and, and I, I don't even want you to answer the question now, but if everybody here who wants to participate for a later date on a show, take a piece of paper, draw a line down the center, on one side write liberty and the other side write freedom, and then distinguishing the two and then take a couple weeks and figure those out. What do those mean to you? And what are the references and sources that make that clearly define those words? Because we can't talk about liberty and freedom in the abstract uh, because what we do, it becomes subjective reality, which is Marxism. Uh, so we, we have we, we have to have examples of what freedom and liberty are from any sources and what this means. Does because uh, yeah, I, I really want to do a show on this someday. Freedom and liberty. Yeah. I don't think people really understand, you know, when you can't define what those things are clearly and succinctly. You don't stand any chance of, of uh, dissuading people from the idea of government. Not a chance. You have to be able to state those uh, clearly, succinctly, and objectively. And most people can't do it. Can't me, do it. Let me see so. if I have it right. Liberty is something the captain gives to the sailors to go ashore. Whereas freedom is, you can leave the boat anytime you want. That's one. That's one definition, but it, it, uh, you, you got to be careful with that. Yeah. Roger, hey because liberty that, 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 that word liberty has many, many more definitions and context. So Preface that is, is a that is a segue that some people use to take away from the power of rights, rightful righteous liberty. And uh, for those of you who are not aware of it, I would expect you to go read Christ's brother's book called James. <laughs> <clears throat> OK, and, yeah. and that's James is not talking about that. Okay, he's not. You know, Anne Yvonne Wrights is talking about uh, liberty off of a ship, but to James, the book of James is not. <laughs> the Bible mentions liberty <laughs> anyway. 25 times and freedom twice. That should tell you a little bit, too. Also, guys, let's not forget yeah. that it's not just liberty, it's rightful liberty as defined by mm -hmm. Thomas Jefferson. That is very much different. Yeah. That is totally different concept, so please don't get caught up in using that liberty off of a ship thing, uh, because that it just misrepresents rightful liberty. Now, you might call it, uh, the Navy chose to call it that. That doesn't mean it is that, because they call it that. That is momentary, momentary 
libertary or limited liberty. Yeah, because they're slaves. But the rightful, but the rightful liberty, as defined by Thomas Jefferson, is totally different. And rightful liberty is what we've got to pursue. Liberty is the right to do what the law allows, right? Oh yeah, thank you, Cody. Don't you have some? (laughs) Hey, Cody, uh, go check the air in your wheelbarrow tires. Well, I like to go back to the word exosia or exosia, depending on how you want to pronounce it, which is the same, the word that defines Romans 13, that modern thinkers, scholars, wags have decided means freedom to worship your government. We're supposed to obey them as opposed to the liberty to choose. And I would invite all of you, if you're not familiar with that word, to go back and do a little research on it, pursuant to Romans 13, because it pretty much blows this whole idea mm-hmm. of the government being something that we need to bow down to completely out of the water. And it has been subverted so completely that most people really and truly, and they're convicted of the idea that the government is in charge. Thus, 501c3 churches shut down. When we had a sniffle. Just the term. And I haven't been back. Americanus. Haven't been back. Well, guys, Thanks let's look at you. the actual look let's look at the actual definition here. Rightful liberty is unobstructed action according to our will within limits drawn around us by the equal rights of others. That is rightful liberty. A person has a right to do whatever they want to do as long as it doesn't infringe on someone else's rights to do the same thing. As my grandfather used to tell me, boy, your rights end at my nose. And what what, what Michael just uh, defined there with that statement is what is founded in, that's a natural law. That's natural law. That's the law of non-aggression. Nobody has the right to break the natural law in order to fulfill the law, their law. So, Well, and then let's look at the rest of that Jefferson quote, because here is the brilliance. And the rest of that Jefferson quote says, I do not add within the limits of law, because law is often but the tyrant's will, and always so when it violates the rights of the individual, unquote. That's probably some of the most important writing, in my opinion, from the founding era was Jefferson and rightful liberty. Also, one of the other things, I'm just going to throw this in before we uh, get towards the end here, but I was just reading Jefferson's letter to Madison talking about debt in which Jefferson said, and I believe it was 1794, But Jefferson said, any debt that is passed from one generation to another is immoral. No segment of society should be able to create more debt than they can pay themselves. That it should never, ever. And if people, if you believe that passing along $30 trillion worth of debt to your children and grandchildren is okay, you don't deserve freedom. Or liberty. Or liberty. Thanks, Jim. Well, that, that would be slavery, wouldn't it? I mean, you could argue that that's a form of slavery and should be disallowed. It is slavery. It is slavery. Absolutely. There is, there is, what is the difference between physical 
slavery and fiscal slavery? None, because money and money and time are equal in most, you know, different different ways of calculating. Sure, I did a quick calculation. I couldn't. I found it back to eighteen hundred or eighteen hundred and one. The value of gold was around nineteen something an ounce. I couldn't find it for the seventeen. What do you say, seventeen eighty three or seventy three? But it was somewhere around nineteen twenty dollars. So, um, what'd you say, seventeen million? So somewhere around a a million ounces of gold and a million ounces times at almost two thousand dollars now would be two billion dollars. So, yeah, we round it down to billion and a half to two billion dollars is what uh, Morris stole. Yes. So we are in essence just absolutely destroyed and did you guys know that when george washington died and we're going to get into his will on the scorpio show one of these days when george washington died he was the richest man in america yeah president yep the richest man in america you go through that will it is a good study i know he freed the slaves but not during his lifetime at his will he freed them at his wife's death they were freed you're right. You're right. According to his they were, I think they were her slaves to begin with. They were handed yes. down to her and handed down to George. Thus, mm-hmm. Martha Custis. Yes, that is true. Yeah. But he was the largest land speculator in the colonies when King George said it was against the law. How did he get the money to speculate? Uh, well, that's a good question. But he had he owned millions of acres in what is now the state of Ohio. Maybe so, he got it from Martha and his buddy uh, Hamilton. He probably surveyed uh, well, it. Wasn't ago. wasn't he a first cousin cousin of the king? Who Washington? Yeah, I'm not sure of that. I've heard that, but I can't confirm it. So one of the things I try not to do is to say things I can't confirm with uh, source documents. I've heard that it's been said. Uh, we do know that in the uh, agreement uh, to end the war that uh, we said that in that agreement that King George was the prince of the United States. And uh, we do know the connections that both John Adams had with the crown and Benjamin Franklin as well. The uh, connections they had, and especially uh, with uh, Hamilton and the Rothschilds and Robert Morris with the Rothschilds, Gouverneur Morris with the Rothschilds. Our history is not what we're being taught, people. If the Prince of the United States says you can own as much property as you want, provided you do me a few favors, sort of makes sense. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, that would definitely fit in the yeah category. Absolutely. Well, uh, a nice observation there. Jim, you still with us? Yeah, I was just uh, being distracted by something in the chat room. I wish we had oh, more sorry. time to talk about this. <laughs> okay. Mark Float just put something we'll in here. We'll talk about it next week. Um, I'll, uh, I'll send you this uh, quote in uh in the uh in the, our skype chat and you can take a look okay. at it maybe we'll talk about it next week it's uh <laughs> my my response was that's what they'd like us to believe <laughs> it might be a good one to talk about this is interesting how much time is left jim uh we've got all of about um two minutes okay uh, maybe mike has time to tell me in our history books uh this guy uh Benjamin Franklin is supposedly the guy who saved us uh, to get the Constitution uh, signed because uh, he called for prayer and they had prayer and then everything was uh, no 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 just no, no. they had no prayer. prayer 
no prayer. No, he I'm t- saying what they taught us versus what. Oh yeah, they what did. they taught us. It was us. voted yeah, okay. down. I'm sorry. Well, uh, so, Franklin put Franklin put in his biography that of all of the people at the Constitutional Convention, he only knew of three or four who thought prayer was ever necessary. Wow, that's uh, so. He made the motion and it wasn't carried, right? Uh, yeah, it wasn't even seconded. <laughs> there you have it. Yeah, one of the reasons Patrick Henry could have been there. Mm-hmm. That's that's the the short sighted history. You know, they they hear this thing where, oh yeah, Ben Franklin asked for prayer, and they leave it at that, like we were some great bunch of people. <laughs> they don't go far enough, and, and, and as Paul Harvey said, you left out the rest of the story. Uh, <laughs> Sad, sad, sad. But we are running out of time. And, Mike, I want to thank you again. Uh, Thank goodness we got a chance to cover your shows earlier because we don't have time now. But we do have, uh, Mike does have um, Teach Me on uh, 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 Facebook Messenger and um, Teach Me True History and Rebel Madman on uh, Telegram as well. I encourage you to go there. And he is working on rebelmadman.org. little it's work in progress so we are out of time woo and we'll be back again live on tuesday or monday excuse me everybody take care thanks again mike thanks robert for hooking us up and thanks for everybody else for being here y'all have a wonderful weekend take care of your bodies because it's the only place you have to live and uh, we will see you all next week god bless